I just want to say hello and good morning, Grace Place family. Uh, I'm very excited to be sharing the word with you again. Honestly, surprised I was invited back up here. Uh, it's, it's been about a whole year, and I think that's that's a good amount of time. Um, uh, I think uh, they they had they kind of had to schedule the ice cream Sunday to make sure people would come and not like overly promote that uh, I would be speaking. So I'll be sure and make it quick so we can uh, beat the heat and. Uh, get to the ice cream, but yeah, I'm very excited and uh, very grateful uh, to be sharing the, the word, and thank you, Pastor Allen, for the opportunity this morning uh, to speak again for you all. Um, today, I'll be sharing with you what God has laid on my heart uh, for the parable of the mustard seed, and um, I'd like, if you'd like to go ahead and start finding your place in your Bible, uh, we're going to be reading uh, the parable in the book of Matthew in chapter 13 verses 31 through 32. So again, that's Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Uh, Something interesting to note about the parable of the mustard seed and many of the parables is that it can be found in all three uh, synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, So it must be a pretty important story for all three of them to feel compelled to tell their own account of it. Um, But all three accounts are very similar. Uh, But we are told the parable in different contexts of other parables. So like in Matthew, there's a different parable that precedes it and follows it. In Mark, there's, uh, I think, a different one that precedes it and follows it, and also in Luke. So um, they're telling it in different contexts, and I would definitely encourage you um, to explore this, because we won't be exploring this in depth today, but it's something interesting that you can find out in your own reading uh, this week. So um, I, I don't have the verses uh, on me, but you can also find it in Mark and Luke. Uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting to compare and to compare the context that they were told. Uh, so again, we're in uh, Matthew's account found in chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. And I would like to invite you to stand with me as we read uh, God's word this morning. All right, Matthew 13, 31 through 32. And he, Jesus, put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, if you'll just bow your heads with me as we pray over the message today. Lord, we just thank you uh, for this time together as your church. God, we are so grateful for the message that you're sharing today, and I thank you for bestowing it upon me and this congregation. Uh, God, I just pray that with your word, we will plant seeds in all of us today, and that it will bring about a tremendous growth uh, in all of us, in not just ourselves, but Lord, our kingdom. And God, we just thank you in advance for pouring out your spirit this morning, and the many blessings that you have in store for us. And Lord, just prepare our hearts and open up our ears to hear today for what you want to uh, grow in each of us. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, I think this parable is such a relevant one for times such as this. I mean, not all of us are planters or uh, are familiar with mustard seeds, but um, it's a it's a short parable, and I think it's fairly easy to digest. And it doesn't, but it doesn't go into a huge amount of depth on the process. So a lot a lot of the parable is is more about sort of the the elements that make up uh, the the growth of the kingdom and and the way Jesus explains it. Um, and contrast the, the kingdom of God with a humble little uh, mustard seed is, is, is quite an interesting one. And I think uh, you'll find, as you explore most of his parables, 
Some of them do seem a little outlandish um, in the things that he uses, metaphor and simile and allegory. It uh, doesn't make immediate sense, but when you dig deeper, um, you start to really uncover what, what Jesus is trying to say. Um, and with the, the, the parable of the mustard seed is no exception. Um, when you really start digging, you see how powerful this parable um, truly is and how it predicted what would happen um, for the next 2,000 years to, to where we are today. So what God has laid on my heart is to take this parable and talk to you today about your potential for growth and the continued growth of God's kingdom. And so the three main pillars that I want to cover with you are potential, the process, and God's purpose on your life. And so we'll start with uh, potential, um, which I think potential is sort of the overarching illustration that we have going on in this parable. Um, uh, depicting God's kingdom. He says, um, sorry, excuse me, I, I not only want to understand uh, the potential that Jesus is talking about with uh, the mustard seed and the parable and God's kingdom, but I also want to dive in deeper today and talk about the process and how we can find growth as an individual uh, on a spiritual level. Um, and so before we break down the parable a bit, I'd like to give you a little bit more context as to why Jesus is even talking about the mustard seed and the, the purpose of why Jesus is using a mustard seed in, in this parable uh, to talk about the kingdom. Now, uh, take a look at this mustard seed in comparison to the human finger. Uh, it's quite small. Uh, I actually uh, had the opportunity to get a little baggie of mustard seeds when we went to district council, which I thought was super cool. Um, there was like probably a small little bag, and it probably had 10 of them in there, and, and it didn't take up any space, and super cool. But you can see, just even in comparison to the, the human finger, the mustard seed is quite small. Um, and, and indeed, it's very small, uh, but you might know, maybe you're a biologist or a botanist, you might know that this seed is not, in fact, the smallest seed in the world. Um, but it wasn't, and it wasn't necessarily the smallest seed in the world at the time that Jesus was telling this parable. But Jesus knew this. And most importantly, Jesus knew who he was speaking to. Um, so from what we read in the text, Jesus was sharing his parables somewhere uh, in Galilee or near the Sea of Galilee. And he had a massive crowd of people around him from Galilee surrounding him, along with his 12 chosen disciples. And you can see in this picture here, uh, the next one, that uh, mustard plants grow like crazy along the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, they are yellow in color, and they stand out on that hill, and it's just a sight to see. You can imagine if Jesus was giving these parables, Anywhere in the vicinity of this, this would be easy to point to and say, look, look at those mustard plants. Uh, they, they stand out um, with, with that, that beautiful yellow color along the, seashore, the seaside. And um, it was very plentiful at the time that Jesus was telling this parable as well. And very likely could have been, uh, like I said, within eyesight of everyone that was listening to him. And from my research, I also discovered that it was a very common plant for the average Palestinian farmer uh, to be growing in their fields. Um, so your average green thumb of Galilee uh, would have been very familiar with the size of this mustard seed. And so what we need to focus on is that these large plants come from very small beginnings. And I believe that's exactly why Jesus chose the mustard seed uh, for his parable. He didn't 
whip out his ancient botanist encyclopedia to give us a lesson on plants and seed sizes. But Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed in order to illustrate and signify those small beginnings. And you can see these mustard seeds here. Um, they are, I mean, there's, there's probably several handfuls there, but if I just had a handful, I would probably have hundreds or thousands of those mustard seeds just in my hand, um, which could quickly grow a field of thousands of mustard plants. Um, it's, it's quite incredible. Now, the, bio, the biologist in you might be wondering and thinking back to the text, how exactly would you consider these plants a tree? And I pondered this the entire week I was writing this uh, sermon. Um, while this particular mustard plant might be considered more of a bush uh, or like a field plant, it's known uh, for these plants to obtain heights reaching even beyond 8 to 12 feet. So as you saw in the picture along the, the Sea of Galilee, they can, they can be small field plants. They can grow to be very large. Um, but in the next picture, I wanted to point this out too. Um, in uh, the Middle East and Africa and around the same region, uh, there is a plant commonly known as the mustard tree. And this tree doesn't provide spice like a typical mustard plant would, uh, but it does provide fruit, it provides medicinal qualities, and was commonly used uh, to make a quick toothbrush uh, for travelers in the area. And it cleaned the teeth quite effectively from what I could find. Uh, this massive tree also comes from these small seeds. These seeds, from what I could gather in my uh, go quick Googling, is that they're about the size of a peppercorn. So, I mean, uh, you know, you take a seed the size of a peppercorn and you have a tree that uh, provides all that shade and all the branches for uh, trees, um, or for, sorry, for uh, birds to uh, hang out in that tree. I mean, it's quite amazing. Uh, but funny enough, if you read this, uh, the parable of the mustard seed in uh, the message version of the Bible, it doesn't even mention mustard at all. It actually substitutes mustards and, and tells the parable of acorns becoming great oak trees. Uh, what's interesting is that in some languages where there's no direct word for mustard, uh, or if mustard plants are not common to the region, uh, the translator will often insert the seed of a mighty tree from their region to give uh, those reading the scripture a better context of what is going on in the story. And so keep that in mind, because I think that's why it doesn't matter if we're talking about a bunch of small seeds that become a wide field of mustard plants or um, a small peppercorn-sized seed that becomes a giant tree that provides all this shade. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, even if you consider the, mes the message version where an acorn becomes an oak tree, uh, what Jesus is really trying to say here is that from those small beginnings, there is an incredible potential for growth and a capacity for growth. So keep that in mind as, as we think about this. We don't need to get too technical on what species of mustard plant or what tree or anything of that nature. We're talking about something from small beginnings that have a huge potential for growth. Jesus constructs this parable with a relatable context for the, the massive group of Galileans that are around him, so that when they ask, what is the kingdom of God like, he points to the humble mustard seed, and when planted in the field, becomes something greater and greater and continues to grow and expand. And he's showing us the potential for growth of God's kingdom and the growth that we can experience when we trust in his process. 
So for the rest of the message, anytime I refer to the mustard plant, I'm going to be referring to the first one I showed you. So don't get confused. I'm, I'm going to be talking about the, the plant that grows amongst the fields. Okay, and so uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to break down the key elements of this parable so that we can kind of understand how Jesus is constructing this story uh, to tell the Galileans. So uh, you can see this list here. We have the sower, we have the field, we have the seeds that become the plants, and then we have the birds that uh, nest in the plants. And while this paints a pretty straightforward picture of a farmer planting a seed and voila, getting a plant out of it, uh, we know that Jesus is telling us these parables to paint a heavenly picture of the kingdom of God. And so when we see the man that plants the seeds into the field, Jesus is, is describing how he, the son of man, is bringing the gospel to the people of the world. So Jesus is the man sowing the seed. The seed is the gospel and the good news that he's bringing. And the field, or the soil, is everyone who receives Jesus into their heart as their Lord and Savior. And once the gospel spread and continues to grow around the world, the birds seek refuge in the shade and the branches of the tree. The way that the birds are described in this parable likely refer to the Greek word ornion, which means to perceive or to hear. So these birds represent people of all nations flocking to God's followers to hear the good news and to feel comfort that the... Um, that only God's kingdom can truly bring. So now that we have a good understanding of the elements of this parable of the mustard seed, we kind of understand the purpose of the mustard seed and the purpose of us being uh, the soil, I'd like to, us to take a closer look at what God is trying to teach us here. So let's talk about the process. If you look at the parable itself, it doesn't give a whole lot of information on the process that the seed becomes, uh, or how the seed becomes an incredible plant. A lot is implied, and a lot can be found contextually through surrounding parables in the scriptures. In fact, last week, uh, Pastor Allen talked us through the sower and the seed, um, which I will be, um, I don't want to say stealing, but I'll definitely be taking some ideas from that because I think it's still applicable to uh, what we're talking about today. But I'll try not to spend too much time on it because that's a great message to go back and listen to, um, the sower and the seed. Um, but for a plant to grow, I put together a list. I think everybody knows this. Uh, we probably learned this in uh, natural sciences or you know, uh, early on in our life, that to grow a plant needs soil, it needs water, it needs nutrients, and it needs sunlight. So uh, when it comes to soil, it's got to be good, fertile soil for most seeds to begin growing. Seeds need water, and they need to be watered continuously. And if rain doesn't provide enough water, then the farmer will need to continuously pour out water onto its plants to grow. Now when it comes to nutrients, most plants don't get enough nutrients from the ground uh, enough to be fed and continue to grow to reach their potential. Uh, plants need nutrients to grow um, and they need to be maintained and, and, and fed continuously. And when it comes to sunlight, I kind of had to give myself a refresher about this, but I believe we all learned a process called photosynthesis in school, right? Uh, just to give you a little refresher, it's a really interesting process. So photosynthesis is the process where a plant takes in the sunlight and then creates a chemical reaction that allows the plant to actually process the nutrients and the water and the carbon dioxide that it's taking in in order to put out 
oxygen. So the mechanics that God has set in place to make our world uh, habitable, uh, just even down to the plant level, it's just uh, incredible. We take it for granted. Thank you for oxygen. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for every breath we have. <laughs> Thank you, plants. And so every plant needs these basic elements. So uh, some more than others, but you, you get the picture. And if any of those key elements are missing, uh, then the whole growth process gets interrupted and sometimes stops altogether. So I want to tell you a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a story um, that I went through. Um, I, I learned this the hard way, uh, the, the whole uh, losing out on one of these. Um, I learned this the hard way last year with a rose plant that we had on our back patio. Um, there we go. There's a rose. It's a white rose. Nice and pretty. Um, but you see, when we were moving into our new, ho uh, our new home in early uh, 2020, and our oldest daughter was uh, still little, my mother-in-law uh, was growing this beautiful white rose plant in her backyard uh, for us as like a little housewarming gift. It was really beautiful. It was in this like, you know, brown terracotta plant pot thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't... This is going to explain a lot that I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> um, anyway, she was making it, and she was also going to give us a handful of other plants, um, likely because she knew it would take us ages to buy our own plants and sort of landscape our house, so uh, she wasn't wrong. Uh, she was probably right about that. But she took really, really good care of this rose uh, while we were preparing our home and even insisted that she continue, continue to help uh, it grow and water it and bring it to maturity while we were getting settled into our house. And so that rose was one of the last things that we actually moved uh, to our new home. It looked really great at first, and uh, after just leaving the tender care of Michelle, uh, but after a while, I could tell it was taking a turn for the worse. <laughs> I didn't know if I wasn't watering enough. It's probably the case. Uh, or if it was getting too much sunlight, which, you know, our back patio is about, you know, 70-30 shade and sunlight. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it was just something that had happened in the move. Maybe I'd um, derooted something. I, I honestly I had no idea. That was until I brought up the issue to my brother-in-law, Jake, who pointed out that it likely was needing to be fed. <laughs> I probably had this plant for months now, and I, I didn't know it needed to be fed anything. I thought you just give it water. This is explaining a lot. I hope, it, I hope you can uh, predict the end of this story. Anyway, I laughed at first thing. He was just making a joke, but he insisted that if, if, if I wasn't feeding it, it wouldn't continue to grow um, or let alone be prepared to survive the harsh winters or the hot summers that were to come. Luckily, Jake was kind enough to lend me a small bag of uh, rose food, uh, which combined with an improved watering schedule, immediately brought the rose back to life. And it was, uh, it was beautiful. It looked like this again. And even sprouted a few new stems. It was looking really great. <clears throat> Man. But you know what happened when we ran out of plant food? And I forgot to buy more. And I stopped feeding it for like a month. Or however long, you know, the cycle is. It lost its full potential and it stopped growing. The flowers started to fall off. And you know what happened when uh, we forgot to water it before we left for a whole week and a half of vacation? It came back, and it was starting to wither down. And as soon as the next heat wave hit, it was dead. 
And all that work to bring it back to life, only for it to die because I didn't keep up with feeding it and watering it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that many of us aren't allowing ourselves to be fed or poured into. Some by choice. Some by neglect. There are others who may just be tired and are not seeing the immediate results right away that they were expecting. So I want to talk about your immediate expectations and the process that's required and the potential that God has for you in your life. You see, at the time that Jesus was telling this parable, the general expectation of the Jewish people was that the chosen Messiah would establish his kingdom suddenly and decisively. They were looking for God to come down as a conqueror on a white horse, sweep the world, cover it in fire, whatever they were imagining, raise an army and overthrow the the Roman government and reinstate uh, the Jewish kingdom. So in the context of this parable, it might have been a little shocking for Jesus to imply that God's kingdom would have very small and humble beginnings, just like the mustard seed, with implications that someday it would grow and grow and grow like the field of mustard plants. Jesus is teaching that if we don't shift our focus away from our own grand expectations to the process that God has put before us, that we are going to miss seeing God at work in our own lives and in our church. That we need to allow Jesus to plant and grow the gospel within us, equip us, and ready us to go out and share it with the world. And I think sometimes our expectation is that as long as we're saved, as long as I go to church, as long as I do the right thing and don't steal or hurt anybody and just keep to my own, that Jesus will take care of the rest. You're not necessarily wrong. Jesus will take care of us. Jesus doesn't have any grand expectations of us. But your expectation is that God will just give you the fruits of salvation for your own reward and not be asking, God, Why or what do you have in store for me to grow the kingdom? God, what is my potential for growth? I don't want to be comfortable anymore, and I definitely don't want to wither away and die spiritually. What can I do to bear spiritual fruit that I can then share with your people? You see, God doesn't just want us to raise up beautiful plants from the ground out of nowhere with no process. He wants you to grow in this process of building his church and building his kingdom. And if the seed of the gospel that Jesus has sown in you is not in good soil, it's not being watered, it's not being fed, it's not in good sunlight, then your spiritual growth is in a life or death situation. Just like my rose plant. So here's a quick list of things that I um, pulled from this parable that I feel like uh, that we need in order to grow spiritually. So to grow, we need to be the holy ground that God has called us to be. You see, to have good soil, you need to have a firm foundation in Christ. When Jesus says that he's planting a seed in the soil, he's planting the gospel in our hearts. Excuse me. Whoa. I hope you got that one. He was like, good point. Um, So he's planting the gospel in our hearts. And we need to prepare our hearts in order to receive the gospel. You need to have holy ground. Your soil needs to be clean and pure and not tampered with or full of weeds from the world. 
No seed can sprout, no roots can reach any depth if you aren't deeply rooted in Christ. Let me ask you this. How's your prayer life? Are you reaching out to God daily? I know there's weeks where I'm not. And I can point to those weeks as being some of the worst weeks spiritually, emotionally. So you need to seek God and ask him to make you holy ground for what he wants to plant in you. You need good soil. And to have really good soil, you need good nutrients. So you need to be feeding yourself and allowing yourself to be fed. And just like with my roses, you can't skip out on the food if you want healthy spiritual growth. You need to be reading your Bible on a regular basis. I know we say this on almost every message, but um, it's so important. If, if, if you're sitting here this morning thinking, man, I'd really like God for, to grow me, but I'm not opening my Bible every day, you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be fed. And I don't say that from a judgmental standpoint at all. I'm guilty of it all the time. A day goes by and I forget to read my word, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to go hungry tonight. The only way that you can truly feed your spirit is by consuming the living word of God, which is right in the palm of your hands these days. Hello? Bible app? Anybody? version? Pretty great. Um, so it's not out of reach. There are a lot of people in the world where, um, you know, we, from our perspective, we're taking the word of God for granted. We have it literally in the palm of our hands. Some people don't have it at all. Some people have one page of the Bible. It's not out of reach for us. So trust me. We need to be reading the word. And something else I want to point out that I've also been, um, that I've fallen short of is, you know, I love to listen, listen to worship music. I think it's a, a huge part of, you know, your, your weekly uh, routine and feeding yourself. But don't make worship music the only way you're getting fed. Like, it doesn't matter if you're listening to modern music, if you're listening to hymns, if you're Whatever it may be, music is great, and, and we will touch on worship. But you, you can't just receive other people's interpretations of the word as, as a word. You need to get the word from the direct source. So if, if you've been kind of plateauing, couldn't think of the word. If you're not growing, and every week... You're listening to worship music that may be from some great songwriters, some great worship leaders, but you're just wishing, listening to worship music and you expect to be fed. I'm here to tell you that you can't just listen to Christian radio. You can't just listen to podcasts. You can't just watch Christian commentary videos online. Um, you need to get your food straight from the source, which is the word of God. I think I'm hitting my max of words. That's why I'm stumbling upon myself. <clears throat> Just kidding. Okay, here we go. Next is, like plants need water, you need to allow and invite the Holy Spirit to pour into you. Something interesting to note about the mustard seed is that, at first, it needs to be vigorously watered to become a seedling, and then the germination process begins to happen rapidly. Think about this. When we give our lives to Christ and ask for salvation and make Jesus the Lord and leader of our life, what's generally our first next step? That's to be baptized in water. Because I think like the mustard seed, when God plants the gospel in our hearts, we need to quickly be submerged in water for the germination 
to begin rapidly. When I say germination, I mean um, the fire in our hearts, the, the desire to spread the gospel, the desire to take it to the next step and go beyond just asking Jesus into our hearts, but figuring out what is our next step of growth. So as new believers, our faith is fragile and just starting to grow, and it needs to be poured upon by the Holy Spirit. And it needs to be continued to pour upon as we mature and we grow in our faith so that our faith can take off like a wildfire. I wanted to point out in Romans 5, 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts the Holy Spirit who has uh, been given to us. God's love literally pours itself out through the Holy Spirit. And Paul goes on to say later in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think when you trust in the process that God has put in your life, Paul is saying that God will then fill us with joy and peace, and we will overflow with that hope that comes from the Holy Spirit pouring out on us. So when you're praying or when you're worshiping, ask God to pour his Holy Spirit out on you. And then there's sunlight. I'd like to think that this one is a pretty cool uh, word, you know, because, uh, I mean, we're talking about sun, light, son of God's light. I don't know. I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool thing. Um, quite literally, the light that Jesus has brought to give us is life. In John 8, 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So we are fed by the word of God. We have God's love poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, gives us the light of life. And all we have to do is be fertile ground. Keep ourselves holy. Seek after him. Feed ourselves. Allow his spirit to pour out. We need these spiritual resources to grow inside of us uh, to meet our full potential to build God's kingdom. The next thing I want to talk about is growing pains, because when we open up ourselves to grow with God, we will experience some growing pains. I'm sure everyone in this room has had some degree of growing pains, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So the first thing that I want to talk about that's made clear is that we need deep, strong roots. And we also need room to grow. And a typo here, I forgot to change it. We need a clearing, yes. We need to be aware of the weeds and the pests that are in our garden. And then finally, a pruning has to happen. So let's dive into that. We'll just keep this slide up because I don't think I have any slides to go with these talking points. But one thing that is made clear is that we need strong, deep roots. We can't just keep growing if our roots don't steadily ground us in the faith of Christ. And if we, uh, if they can't just be below, sorry, they can't just be below the surface. They can't be short. They need to be very deep, because we need deep roots to weather the storms that will come our way. We may, we may experience the loss of a loved one. You may lose your job. There's political turmoil and a whole hurricane of feelings and emotions that make you want to go in another direction or just give up altogether. But when you are firmly rooted in Christ, you can weather all of these storms. 
And you know what's crazy is that uh, after Jesus tells the parable of the mustard seed in Mark, chapter 4, verses 30 to 32, so there's your Bible verse if you want to look up in Mark, um, it's immediately followed by the story of Jesus calming the storm. While they were in a boat, Jesus was sleeping with his disciples uh, while they were running around like madmen, scared for the lives that they were going to drown in the storm. But when Jesus awakes, he's immediate, he immediately calms the storm and questions the magnitude of their faith. So in addition to this story of faith, the only other time that the mustard seed is mentioned in the Bible outside of the parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is when Jesus compares it to the magnitude of faith in his disciples. So I think there's an interesting correlation in there that we're going to dive into. So in Matthew's account in chapter 17, verse 20, he says, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus uses the mustard seed again here, but this time to em emphasize faith. So in the parable, the seed is about the gospel. In this uh, encounter, the, the mustard seed is about our faith. But I don't think they're separate. I think they're very intertwined. Because when you're rooted in Christ, you can trust the process that God needs to put you through in order to grow you to your fullest potential. And that's why it takes a tremendous amount of faith to even accept the gospel in the first place. So the next thing um, is I want to talk about the clearing or the weeds or the attack of the enemy. Because when we talk about weeds in the parables, we're talking about the attack of the enemy. So it's known that there will be weeds in the garden growing. However, we don't need to let the weeds and pests distract us from the process that God has put in place for us. It might seem logical that we step away from our process in order to go pull the weeds ourselves. But Jesus tells us it's his job as the planter. You can read more about this in Matthew 13, 24 through 30, and Matthew 13, 36 through 43, where Jesus is explaining the parable of the weeds. He tells us that the enemy will surely come, and he will plant weeds in the night, which will grow alongside our plants. If we were to try and uproot the weeds ourselves, we would risk damaging our own roots. So Jesus explains that he and his angels will be the ones to remove the weeds before the harvest. So I think what the reason why I wanted to mention the, the, the parable of the weeds here is because we have to trust that God is in control and he has put in place a process for our spiritual growth and that he will take care of the rest of what the enemy is planning. So focus on your growth. Fo focus on kingdom growth. Don't focus on the weeds that God is going to take care of before the harvest. Another thing that you'll encounter during your growth is the need for room to grow. Sometimes in life you will be transplanted. When plants reach a certain size in their container, they need to be transplanted from a small container to a bigger container. Um, in order for them to have more area to grow to their full potential. And like the plants, you need to have room to grow 
as well. And sometimes you need to be transplanted. Sorry, just got to, you know, there's like a certain number of visuals I get. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, um, yeah, you, sometimes you need to be transplanted. And this doesn't always mean necessarily a physical space. Uh, sure, you might be coming from a church where you just felt like you couldn't grow, you couldn't be fed, or whatever it may be. And that can definitely happen. And it's a natural part of our journey. But you also need to consider the other areas of your life that you need to move around and make room in order to grow. Maybe it's your schedule. Maybe it's the crowd you're hanging out with. Maybe it's the constant consumption of news or entertainment content that's distracting you from growth opportunities. <clears throat> Stranger Things season four, anybody? <clears throat> Woo! Sorry. Um, yeah, very relevant. Uh, very distracting, just like it distracted me. We need to make room for God to grow us. And I want to... I want to speak to the people serving in the room uh, today. A lot of them are in that hallway, but maybe we'll hear this later. If you're serving at a church, maybe God is even calling you to be transplanted within your own ministry to grow you in areas you otherwise would never get the opportunity to. Maybe God is calling you, um, maybe God is calling an entire church to be physically transplanted to another part of town that is unreached, or another city altogether, or another state, or another country. Maybe God is calling you to plant churches and grow his kingdom. I'd love to know if that calling is on anybody in this room, because that's, that's awesome. God will find ways to make room so his kingdom can reach its full potential. The last thing I want to talk about is sometimes plants require pruning in order to grow in the right direction. When you prune plants, and again, this is going off like research and, and of no actual uh, in-person experience, um, you do this to keep your plant healthy, strong, and, and shaped in the right direction. This often involves removing dead branches or overgrowth or um, whatever it may be. You see, God sometimes needs us to be pruned and reshaped at different times in our life in order to keep growing in his direction. You see, God says that when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will bear fruits of the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, through 23, Paul writes, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in the same chapter, Paul is clear that those who want to follow Christ can no longer continue to live in sin if they want to bear this fruit. And Jesus is clear that as the planter, he will prune what is dead and not bearing fruit in our lives in order to reach our growth potential. So in John 15, 2, Jesus says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does not bear fruit, um, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. So there's things in our life that need to be pruned. I think I touched a little bit on this when I talked about making room. But there's things in our life that aren't producing fruit. and We either need to prune that ourselves or allow God to prune us, to shape us back into his direction and his calling and his purpose. So you see, God has a process in place here. There's a lot to just even getting a seed to become a seedling, to germinate, to become a plant. And there's a lot in your growth 
starting at receiving the gospel to becoming a well-matured Christian and follower of Christ. But God has a process in place. It's not going to be easy, and there will always be growing pains at every step. But without it, we wouldn't have the potential to grow ourselves. And without the ability to grow ourselves, how can we seek God's purpose to grow his kingdom? So all this talk about our own growth and pruning and making room, it's to prepare us. We have to be prepared. The seed has been planted. It's growing. We're doing everything we can to grow it. Jesus is pouring into us. But what are we going to do to then take our plant and become a field? When God plants the gospel in us, our potential is to grow his kingdom to be bountiful. We can spread the gospel to every corner of the world. And for the past 2,000 years, the gospel has done just that. It's pretty incredible. When Jesus told this parable, there was maybe two, three hundred people around him, but now there's billions of Christians around the world. But it's an ongoing process for every generation. Every generation we get the opportunity to plant those same seeds that were planted in us, in our hearts. And we get the opportunity to plant those in our children, our friends, our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, our communities, our nation, and the world. We have an incredible purpose that God has instilled in us. And something we need to ask ourselves is what seeds are we planting this generation? Because whatever seeds we are planting have the potential to grow and pass on to the next generation. Are we planting seeds of the gospel and true salvation? Or are we just planting seeds that Jesus was a good teacher who lived a great life to live by? Are we planting seeds of hope? Are we planting seeds of fear? Seeds of trusting in Jesus? Or seeds of doubt? Or even worse, are we planting seeds that go against God's word? Are we teaching the next generation of Christ followers that certain sins are okay because the world tells us so? Are we leading them uh, to be fed by the word? Are we, are we pouring out upon them with the, uh, and asking the Holy Spirit to pour upon this generation? Or are we leading them to spend their lives and spend their time and spend their resources and be listening and learning from the world and what the world wants them to believe? I tell you this, we will bear the fruit of the seeds that we plant. We will reap what we sow. So God has called you to seek his purpose and go out into the world and grow his kingdom and not the enemies. And not just as pastors, ministers, or church leaders, God has appointed all of us to grow his kingdom. In fact, he bestows upon us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. And I'd like to invite uh, the worship team up here. Growing God's kingdom isn't just about bringing people to church. Super grateful you're all here today. This is an amazing part of your growth and your faith and your expression of faith and being with 
um, fellow mustard seed plants. That's what I'm going to refer to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a great first step. Coming to church is a great first step. And God has been growing you up into this moment in time to shape and equip you to make disciples. That's what this is all about. It's about bringing people to Jesus so that he can give them salvation and eternal life. The kingdom of heaven is growing on earth, and with it brings healing, wholeness, truth, love, and light in the darkness. Not only has God appointed you and planted the seed in you, but he is calling you to grow and allow the Holy Spirit to pour into your life and be anointed in the calling that he has placed on you. He wants to take you from the seed that has been appointed to grow to be anointed as the planter of the next generation. What seeds are you growing? He calls you to trust his process by making sure that we are allowing God to pour into us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, and to shine his light on us to bring us life. And to be ready for when the storms may come and have strong roots and to be ready to be moved, shaked, and allowed room to grow and to be pruned when there are things in our life that aren't bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And finally, to seek his purpose and to grow his kingdom. God has given you all authority to go out and make disciples of the nations and it all starts with the faith the size of a mustard seed. We're, we're not here to attend church, we are here to build his church. And as we go together in prayer, I just want to think about the seed of salvation that God has planted in you and ask him to continue to grow you, to challenge you, to take the, the message that you've heard this morning to take the next step in growth. And if you'll just bow your heads with me. Uh, Lord, we just, we thank you, Lord, for the gospel. Lord, that's why we're here. Lord, you've given us the good news of salvation. Lord, that you came down to earth as flesh and blood amongst us, lived a sinless life, and Lord, planted the promise in all of us, in all of our hearts, that Lord, someday we would have eternal life with you. God, we don't take that for granted. And Lord, we just thank you for the reminder this morning, God, that we need to continue to feed ourselves, to water ourselves, and to receive your light, Jesus. Lord, because without it, we will wither away and we won't have any spiritual growth. And God, I just, I just call uh, an anointing upon everyone in this room this morning. Lord, you've appointed us all to be here in this church. You've appointed us to be... Um, Lord, your soil for the kingdom. And God, I just pray that you uh, anoint us, God. You take us from that appointing and you bring us into the anointing, Lord, of being, um, Lord, the planters uh, that you've called us to be for future generations. And God, just instill in us, Lord, to continue to plant the seed of the gospel, of hope, the trust in your process, Lord, and the purpose that you've called us all in our lives. God, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this potential for growth that you've given in our lives. And God, just invigorate our spirits. Lord, don't, don't let this 
fall on deaf ears, Lord. Let everyone have ears to hear this morning about what you have in store for them and that there's always a next step. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.